In Jeremiah 12, 5, God challenges Jeremiah, If you have run with men and they have tired you out, how will you compete with horses? God offers you a similar challenge to live a life of biblical discipleship and to build a healthy marriage and a godly family. He never promises it will be easy, but it will always be worth it. Are you ready to run with horses? Hello, this is Norman, and welcome to Run With Horses. Glad you could join today. Today we're going to be talking about something that I first came across, this idea, probably 15, 16, 17, 18 years ago. I don't remember exactly. We were going through a summer program with a lot of college students, and I came across, across this quote by, I believe, Tim Elmore, who said, You will become what you are becoming right now. And I, I really always have liked that quote because it really goes back to your choices, right? Saying you are, you're becoming what you're becoming. You will become what you're becoming. When you think about your future, who you're going to be 10 years from now, the choices you make between now and then, the things that you do, determine what kind of person you're going to be. You know, if you want to be a professional baseball player, but you never play baseball, you're not going to be a professional baseball player. You're becoming something else. Maybe that's a couch potato. How do you spend your choices? How do you spend your time? You will become what you're becoming right now. So this came up recently because I was at a conference and someone, they were thinking about our legacy. You know, what at the end of your life, when other people think back on your life, when they reflect on who you are and how you lived, how will they think about you? How will they uh, know what to say about you? What's your legacy? And the quote that he used, and I think this is just what he said, is seek to be today what you want to be known for tomorrow. And I thought that was really good too. Seek to be today what you want to be known for tomorrow. So how do you want to be remembered? What kind of person do you want to be thought of once you're dead and gone? Because we'll all end up in the grave one day. And maybe you'll be remembered, maybe not. But if someone remembers you, what will they say about you? At your funeral, what what will they say? Well, today you have an opportunity to influence that. And I'm not sure that that's really the main motivating force in my life is thinking about how people will look back at me. I really honestly don't believe I'll care. But it is true that today I want to be the person that that I want to be. I, I want to be the person that God wants me to be. So the choices I make today help me to be that person. I want to make the choices to be that person today so that that's what I'm known for. Um, I... I will become the kind of person that makes these certain kind of choices. Uh, What do I spend time doing? What do I spend time thinking about? Well, that's going to determine what kind of person I am. And as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of a poem that's very familiar. I'm sure that you've heard of it called The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. And for the sake of copyright, I can't actually read the whole poem. Uh, It's one of my favorite ones. You know, when I was just starting out school, I started out as a double major in um, English and history. And I got out of that really quickly. <laughs> but, but one thing that I didn't lose is my love for 
literature. I love to read. I really enjoyed poetry. And this has always been one of my favorite poems. And it seems kind of uh, to describe this. We think about the choices that we make. You'll become what you're becoming. But it's a little bit different. It's not actually a biblical view. And I wanted to point out something from this poem and then look at a, a biblical view. So the poem says, it starts, two roads diverge in a yellow wood. So you have this picture of somebody standing there and they see these two roads and they're going in different directions. And you look down the two roads and we'll say they, they look about the same. You can't really tell from that point in time, from that place in the road, does one road peter out and begin just to be a path or does it lead into the mountains or is one developed into a wide highway? You can't tell. They split and they're about the same. So he looks at them. He says, well, they, they seem just one as good as another one. One may, might be slightly less traveled. So he said he took the one that was less traveled and that has made all the difference. So it's interesting because he talks about not taking the path that everybody else, everyone else takes and that how that makes a difference, has made a difference in his life. So this poem is both like and unlike life. So you make choices when you don't know the outcome, and that's true. Um, the choices that you make change you. They make you the person that you you are, and the past choices make you the person you are, and your, your current choices def define who you're going to be. But in the poem, the thing that's interesting and that's kind of very different than a biblical view of, of this same idea of making choices is that in the poem, there's no real goal or purpose. You get the impression that the guy's just walking along and I can go left or I can go right. I have no reason to choose either one because I'm not going anywhere. There's no goal. There's no purpose. There's no end destination. Well, if you're not going anywhere, then yeah, you can flip a coin and take each one or this one looks a little better than that one. The author's not trying to get anywhere. But if there's a destination in mind, well, suddenly the roads aren't equally inviting. Well, I, I need to know more about these two roads. I need to know which one will take me where I want to be. So every road is not the same. One thing we need to understand that unless you're just out for a Sunday drive and you're really not going anywhere, if you're going somewhere, then even more than the quality of the road, where the road goes makes a difference. So you can put up with a rough road if it goes somewhere that you want to be. And I know I've been in cars before that seem to have a poor suspension and you're, man, it's really a rough road. Uh, and then the road has potholes and all those kind of things. You know, wow, I'd like to avoid this road if I could, but I have to take this road to get where I'm going. So you put up with a rough road. You put up with the damage done to your car when you might prefer a perfectly smooth paved road that goes in a different direction. But if that road doesn't go where you need to go, you take the rough road. Well, you know, life is a lot like that. If you are aimless and have no real purpose in life, or even worse, if your purpose is wrong, <laughs> then you're going to struggle to make meaningful evaluations of your options. So you're going to look at the two roads and go, well, yeah, they both look about the same. They both look good. I, I'm going to take that one. And if you have no purpose, it doesn't matter. Or if you have the wrong purpose, then maybe you'll evaluate and come up with the wrong decision. So life really does affect 
the choices, is affected by the choices, and your view of life and your purpose does affect how you understand your choices. So your choices will define you. Your choices will identify you. Good choices will give you opportunities to grow. That's both personally, in your spiritual life, in your relationships. And poor choices will limit you in the same way. It's important to understand. So, you know, this as Frost is talking about making this choice about which direction to go, was life's different because of the choice he made? Well, is it better or worse? Well, if you have no purpose or no goal, then you have no way to evaluate that. It's just different. But if you have a purpose or goal, then you can evaluate. Is this choice helping me get to where I need to go? You have a reason to say this choice is good and this choice is bad. So now let's contrast this idea that you have the two paths. And this one seems like more people take it. This one, fewer people take it. But they both seem to be equally good paths. And you just pick one and go with it. Okay, let's contrast that with Matthew 7, 13 and 14. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So, here we're presented with two options, and one is uh, a wide gate and a broad way. So the path is very, is very wide, very broad. Lots of people can go on it. It's probably paved. Uh, it's probably very smooth. And definitely, when you think about the world today, it's probably got bright lights. It's got sounds. It's got lots of advertising and lots of restaurants. It's a very smooth and comfortable path to take. But where does it go? Well, it leads you away from God. It leads you to destruction. And the verse tells us there are many who take that path. It's just, it's an expressway. People are on that path all day long. But contrast that wide gate and the Broadway with the other one. It's narrow. Not going to fit lots of people in this gate. It's It's a smaller gate. And it's a difficult way. And it's interesting how you have the gates. There's wide and narrow. Wide allows a lot of people through. Narrow, okay, it's, you're going to have to go one at a time, two at a time. It's, it's, it's a smaller gate. But when it talks about the path, it says one path is broad and the other is difficult. <laughs> the broad one, of course, that makes it, it's, makes it easier. You're not going to be bumping up against stuff on the sides. It's probably smooth. But the one that leads to life is difficult. I, and I would say that that's consistent with how Jesus talked about a life of following him. He said, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. And he led down a difficult path. You know, when he told his disciples that he was going to Jerusalem to die, they didn't really understand that. They didn't really know what he meant. But when they watched him go, when they uh, saw him, on that cross, and they saw that he went to that grave. Well, all of a sudden, they have a a different view of the the cross. When he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, now they have a better understanding of what that is. 
Uh, they understand that. He never indicated. He never he said, misled you. You're going to have to sacrifice. Try to make you think it. that this was going to be an he easy road. What he, was doing he always was, was very honest that this is going to be difficult. This is going to be hard. Uh, but at the same time, he also told us this is going to be worth it. So, you know, we, we think about this wide gate and broad way leads to destruction and the narrow gate and the difficult way, which leads to life. Well, then the encouragement is choose life. And that sounds simple. <laughs> and, and it is really. I mean, it is simple. It's simple, but it's hard. It's easy to understand, but it's difficult to leave out. And I think this is really the crux of the matter of following, uh, following Jesus. It's not that it's hard to understand. It's that it's very hard to do consistently. I think G.K. Chesterton was the one that said, uh, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and not tried. I think that's really where we're at. The distractions and the temptations of the world around us, uh, that's that's the wide gate. They're Broadway invitations. Follow the crowd. Join us. It's going to be fun. Everybody's doing it. Well, the in- invitation to allow others to choose for you is persistent and dangerous. You know, there are glo- glossy images and uh, high-def video ads of shiny new toys being used by healthy, smiling people. <laughs> Obviously, that means this is the best pass for everybody, right? Well, no, <laughs> not exactly. What uh, Satan does is disguises himself and his agenda in bright, appealing colors and styles, but in the end, it will kill you. Uh, poison, you know, it, it. even if it's sweet and tastes good, uh, it will kill you. And that's what the broad way is. Uh, it is a life that will ultimately lead to your destruction. So you should not allow others to choose for you, which means how do you choose what path to take? When you are like Robert Frost and you come to the path in the wood and it's time to choose, what do you do? Well, I, I would say, again, it's, it's simple, but it's hard. It's easy to understand, but it's difficult to live out consistently. And I would put it in two questions that if you answer honestly at and there, there's a certain amount of groundwork that you might have to do, depending on where you're coming from. But assuming that the people who are listening to this show, you probably read your Bible. You're probably in church. If you're not, you, I'm encouraging you to do both of those things all the time. So you're not really following along with what I'm asking you to do. But I'm assuming that you're doing those things. So when I ask this question and you answer it honestly and do it, then I think you're in the right place. Simple question. What would I do if I truly loved God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Simple question. What would I do if I truly loved God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? They're small words. It's a clear idea. It's easy to understand. But man, that's hard to live out, right? If you want some help maybe in how to apply that, well, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So do that. If you truly love God, with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, uh, you will keep His commandments. It means your life, your life will be lived with a different purpose. Your life will be lived uh, with a different goal. Uh, it means that you will examine the Gospels and examine the life of Jesus, and you will try to live the life that He presented as following Him. You will deny yourself. 
Okay, what what is that? How do you do that? Again, okay, it's it's simple. It's a simple concept, but it's hard to do. We don't like to deny ourselves. When the Bible says consider others better than yourself, well, we don't like that. And the, the second question it said, what would I do if I truly loved God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength? And that's the first question. You have to answer that. And if you do that, then you're in the right ballpark. Not in the right ballpark. You're going to live a great life. But the second question is like it and equally difficult. What would I do if I truly loved my neighbor as myself? Again, this is a simple question. It's not hard to understand. But man, it's hard to do that consistently because I don't know about you, but a lot of my neighbors are hard to deal with. <laughs> There, there are people in my, uh, in my family that are hard to deal with, in my church that are hard to deal with. But if I truly loved God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength and aimed to live that way, then I'm going to approach my neighbor differently. And I'm going to ask, how do I truly love my neighbor as myself? It's simple. Not complicated to understand. But man, it's hard to do. So both of these questions are answered. You answer these questions in your daily choices. And maybe not exactly this question, but you might answer the question, do I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? And your choices tell. (laughs) They reveal who you love. They reveal where your heart is. Um, If you want to know if you love your neighbors yourself, well, your choices, they tell you that too. Both of these questions are revealed in the life that we live, in the relationship that we have with people around us, in the relationship that we have with God. You know, what would I do if I truly loved God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, you know, I would be in His Word more. I I would want to know Him. You know, I don't know how many of you have spouses or are married and remember dating or courtship or all those kind of things. But when you have somebody that you're attracted to and you want to know them, boy, you want to spend time with them. You want to know what they think about things. You want to talk to them. You want to hear from them. I remember in high school, I had friends and they would spend hours on the phone with their girlfriend or their boyfriend, just hours and hours. And you go, my goodness, that's a, that's a lot of time. But they really cared about that person. They wanted to hear from them. They wanted to spend time with them. So do we want to hear from God? If we truly loved Him, we would. And if we truly loved Him, we would want to do what He wants done. You know, if your boyfriend or girlfriend in high school, you know, they wanted to go do something, whether it's see a movie or go to a concert or eat at a certain restaurant, I mean, man, you'd do what you could to, to make that happen, right? Well, that's the same way when we look at God. If, if we really love Him, then we're going to try to do what He wants done. We're going to try to put ourselves in the space that He wants us in. And you can carry that down to, do I truly love my neighbor as myself? Well, I think we spend a lot more time in general making ourselves happy than our neighbors happy. We spend a lot more time uh, serving ourselves than serving our neighbor. And it is easier. We know exactly what we need and what we want. We don't always know exactly what our neighbor wants. Uh, We don't always know the people around us. And that's part of the problem. It goes back to, if I truly love God, I'm going to I'm gonna read His Word. I'm going to spend time with His church. I'm going to get to know Him. Well, if I truly love my neighbors myself, I'm going to spend some time getting to know my neighbor. I'm going to have to spend time with them. I'm going to have to make choices that would allow me to get to know them. If I don't do that, 
then there's really no way to show that I love them. I can't really just love them from a distance and say, hey, peace, blessings on you. <laughs> love you. <laughs> it requires some actions. It requires some words. And that's where it gets hard because everybody's not lovable. And it requires that whole denying yourself thing. We don't, we don't really like that. Uh, taking it for cross, denying ourselves, the idea of hardship in the world today, of, of any kind of sacrifice for the sake of someone else. We, we don't really do well there. That's not the world we live in. The broad way that we talked about before, it's not filled with self-sacrifice. Uh, it's filled with self-service. You know, you, you go to the self-serve uh, restaurant and you, you're able to just pick what you want. You go to go to the buffet and, and pick what, what you want. That's the broad way. We like that. Uh, we like that spiritually. How many people want to go to church? And it's like a smorgasbord. You know, you have this whole table full of stuff, and they want to select the things that they, they like. Hey, this church has a really cool worship band. Let's go there. Hey, this church uh, has a really good uh, nursery stuff for the kids. Let's go there. They have a great youth program. Oh, this church uh, has a softball league. Let's go there. Oh, this church does this, and this church does that. And they're picking and choosing. I've, I've heard of people that they'll go to one church for Sunday morning, the different church to Sunday night, and they go to small groups in another church because these different churches have different things that they offer. And so they're kind of selecting, picking and choosing. I, I think I'll take some of this and some of that. And I don't know how much of loving God is in that. That seems to be a, a self-serving way of looking at God and his church family. And there's some culpability there in the church as well, but that's not the issue for today. So when we think about this whole idea that you you will become what you're becoming, uh, understand that you you are shaped by your choices. When you look at your life, when other people look at your life, they will know by the pattern of your choices what's important to you, what your priorities are, uh, what your values are, uh, they'll know who's important to you. They'll know what's important to you. And every choice, it's like a, a patchwork quilt of your life. And it has the potential to be this really beautiful, meaningful design that is also practical. It warms others and it glorifies God. Or you can take those same choices and it has the potential to be a, a, mitch, a mismatched jumble of rags that are useless to anyone. Uh, no design, no intentionality whatsoever, because it does take some intentional effort. You know, my uh, my family have several different people, aunts, grandparents, grandmothers particularly, who made quilts. And there's a, a patchwork quilt that has really a kind of a random design or kind of a, a simple design. But some of them made these really intricate designs, very intentional, making this beautiful design. But at the same time, it has the batting in it. It has all the pieces that it needs to be a practical quilt. Though it's both beautiful, it looked great hanging on the wall, but it's also a practical thing that accomplishes a purpose. It keeps you warm in the winter. And that's the kind of life you want to live. You want your life to be uh, beautiful. You, you want it to be an intentional design that is attractive to look at. You also want it to be practical and accomplish the things that God has. And I think answering these two questions, 
what do I do if I truly love God, my heart, soul, mind, and strength? And what would I do if I truly love my neighbor and myself? And, and living those things out, uh, that's how we build that quilt. That's how we build that life that is beautiful, that glorifies God. And in reality, most of us live somewhere in between those two extremes, say. There there are quilts that they look so complicated, like a man would take years and a lot of effort to make, and then there are piles of rags that do nothing. Most of us live somewhere in between. So it's a patchwork quilt that there are places in it that were intentional and put together, and the other ones where it looks like they were patched. <laughs> just a de- design was put over another one because there was a hole there, and it was just kind of fixed. So it still is warm. It still works, but the, eh, the beauty's not quite <laughs> what it was. So we live somewhere like that. We occasionally make good choices, and we often make poor ones. Uh, We seek God at times and take the narrow path. But other times we're really drawn to the lights and the sounds of the Broadway. We really want to go where all the people are. We see them, it looks like they're having fun. They're doing all this cool stuff and listen to the music and look at all that. Well, we're distracted from God by this broad path and all of of the details, all of the commercials, all of the things that, that make it attractive to us. And because we live in this middle ground where it's a daily struggle, uh, this is why we need each other in the church. You need friends who will lovingly tell you that, oh, yeah, you don't want to take that path. That path is not good for you. (laughs) I need friends like that. And you need to be that friend. You need to be the friend who looks at those around you and you, you love them enough to speak the truth to them, even when maybe they don't want to hear it. And you need to be the friend who will walk alongside them and help them get back on the narrow path. And the truth is that, okay, that's simple, but it's really hard. And like everything else in the Christian life, uh, there's this combination of uh, clear truth and difficult practice. It's simple, but it's hard. The thing to understand is it's always worth it. It's always worth choosing to put God first. It's always worth choosing to serve my neighbor. It's always worth it. So whatever you do, keep running. The Association of Baptists for World Evangelism, a.k.a. ABWE, has a question for you. Are you curious about missions? Or have you already embraced your call for the nations? Either way, attending a 24-hour demo event with ABWE is a great way to start your journey. The 24-hour demo is designed to help you develop a biblical theology of missions as well as understand the vision and values of ABWE. You will learn all about opportunities and needs all around the world and experience God's heartbeat for redeeming all peoples. As you grow in your understanding of the roles of the Sending Church and the Mission Agency, you will see what it means to steward your time, talents, and treasures for the Great Commission. If this sounds worthwhile to you, consider this. For a $20 registration fee, you'll receive lodging for two nights, meals and snacks, and lots of information and resources to guide you on your journey into missions. What are you waiting for? Visit abwe.org forward slash demo for more info and dates for upcoming demos. That's abwe.org forward slash demo. Thanks for joining us today. If you have a question we can address on the show or just want to send us a word of encouragement, send an email to talk at runwithhorses.net. That's T 
T-A-L-K, at runwithhorses.net. We look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, keep running.